Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what is up? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. GC Live Thursday episode of the show. This is what we like to call uh, the opponent's view. This will be the Texas A&M view of South Carolina versus Texas A&M. Of course, this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. SEC Network, Williams-Brice Stadium. Going to be joined here shortly by Tim Verghese from Aggie Scoop. That is the Texas A&M on three site. Uh, Chris, what's up, man? We're rolling along. Uh, Texas A&M and the Gamecocks right around the corner. There's a uh, there's a lot of anticipation and excitement for this game, man. You can kind of feel it. I, I feel like the layoff between Kentucky and now has only like amplified how excited people are about this game. Uh, just from some things we've heard, I know Shane Beamer mentioned that tickets have been harder to come by. It really does seem that way. I mean, you just I've seen tickets that have been going for sale, like on the Insiders Ticket Exchange on Gamecock Central, getting snapped up a lot faster than you normally see. Uh, just some just some things I'm hearing talking to Gamecock fans and friends and family. Uh, tickets definitely harder to come by in this one. So uh, haven't announced the sellout yet. You have to think it'll get there. But a lot of excitement around this one. Should be a really good recruiting visitor list. And should be a really fun game on Saturday night as well. So looking forward to diving into more of this matchup. Yeah, shout out to all of our Folks out there, all of our supporters who are already in the chat, uh, see y'all getting in. Appreciate you joining us, as always, and appreciate our buddy Clint Hammond. He is the presenting sponsor of our show here each and every day on GC Live. Uh, you can give Clint a shout if you're in the market for a new home. Um, yeah, interest rates are up. There's no way around that, but um, that also means competition for houses is down. So there is a give and take to everything, I think, right now. So if you just want more information about what might be out there, what options you may have, um, you know, whether this really is a bad time to buy a house or whether it's an opportunity to buy a house. Uh, Clint can walk you through all of that. His NMLS number is 71597. Shoot him an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com, or you can just give him a call. Um, I'm sure he'll talk some Gamecock football with you while you're at it, uh, 803-771-6933. Yeah, dude, I I think you got to imagine, man, that – this thing's going to sell out. Uh, the The trend for these has kind of been Friday announcement. I feel like Friday announced sellout. I think it's got to be headed that way. You can you can just sort of tell. Um, you know, there was a couple of games where I didn't know if it was going to get there. To be honest, and you look at this game, just the vibe I get from being around town, talking to friends of mine that are fans, people that are looking for tickets. It feels like one of those opportunities, and I, I would say. Chris, opportunity in that this is a fairly beatable A&M team. Not saying South Carolina should be favored. I don't think they should be, but as a beatable A&M team, an opportunity, like you said, a bunch of recruits on hand. And it kind of, to me, Chris, feels like, I don't know, maybe the Kentucky game last year where it was a night game. 
it was a it was a team coming in you knew was sort of ahead of South Carolina a bit in the pecking order at the time, but you felt like it'd probably be a tight game. And it feels like so many of those opportunities that Carolina could just never cash in on during the Muschamp era. Do you do you remember how many times the fan base got reeled back in and was kind of like, all right, guys, take take a step. Let's do this. And it ended in disappointment. Shoot, man, you can go back to a previous Kentucky game at home. South Carolina rolls in. Um, I believe that was fresh off of beating Missouri on the road, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, So not last year, but two years prior to that. And um, Kentucky comes in, and uh, South Carolina scores on, like, I think first or second offensive play of the day, uh, Debo Samuel, and then it was just downhill from there. So I I think it, it just feels like one of those chances to take a step forward, if you ask me. Yeah, it would be really nice to string together more of those positive moments. I remember, Wes, that Luke Day, the head strength and conditioning coach, did an interview with Gamecock Central right in the preseason, and he was kind of recapping summer workouts and talking about the preseason. And one thing that he pointed out was this team last season, they had a lot of really high moments and a lot of really low moments. And so certainly you you can easily think about – think back to last season and pick those out, your high moments would be, you know, the Auburn game, the Florida game. Your low moments would be games like Clemson, uh, Tennessee, A&M, right? And for the past three years, uh, well, really the past eight, but if we're going to talk about how it's happened, the past three years really have been particularly painful. And I'd say the past two even more so. I mean, you had the stat earlier today. You blink. And it's a combined 41 nothing in those two games before South Carolina can really do anything. It's kind of just over. You, you just have no chance. And so something that Luke Day talked about to get back to his comments was this season we're trying to stack more of those good moments on top of each other. And so this is really, I think, the best opportunity so far this season for South Carolina to do that because it's back-to-back conference games. It's back-to-back games in which you – you can win. You're not favored. You weren't favored to win at Kentucky. You're not favored to win this game, but you can go and take that step and make a statement by winning the game. And I, I think that was a really good, you know, those, that Kentucky game. And I guess that was 2017, right? Would it would have been it? That yeah. game, it, it does feel very similar. People are going to be very hyped up. South Carolina actually started fast in that game on offense and defense just couldn't get it done. You look at last year's Kentucky game. They gift you some turnovers. You can't score, right? You would hope that South Carolina is better equipped this year. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to find out on Saturday. Yeah, and, and by the way, to make the stat even worth, worse, Chris, not combined 41, literally 41 to nothing each game. Oh, each game. There you go. Before South Carolina I scored. was wondering. I was like, wow, my math. Yeah, that made it seem better. Yeah, so 40, it was 41. It actually was 44 to nothing last year before South Carolina scored. And the previous year, it was 41. South Carolina kicked that late field goal at home that the 10 people that were left booed, I think. And then um, I think AM scored a late touchdown. But anyway, sure. we're going to bring in our guest now, um, Tim, uh, coming on GC Live here from Aggie Scoop. Uh, Tim, we appreciate the time, man. How are you doing today? 
Of course, of course. How are y'all? We're good, man. Just uh, getting everybody ready for this game. And um, I, uh, I'm i just going to go ahead and ask you so that I don't say it wrong. Go ahead. Say your last name for everybody so that I'm saying it correctly for the rest of the show, okay? Sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's for geese. For geese. Okay, I, I think I got it right in the open. Um, again, man, we appreciate you taking the time. This is a matchup, as we've been talking about, that um, South Carolina has really struggled in uh, the last couple of years, particularly have not really been that close. It feels like this is maybe Carolina's best chance to at least compete in this game in a number of years. But um, I, I guess just off top, if people have not been paying attention to Texas A&M, they don't know much about this team. What are maybe the first couple of things that they need to know about South Carolina's opponent this week? Yeah, um, I, I think with A&M, I think this is, like you said, I think this is this is South Carolina's best shot. I think this will probably be the closest game these two teams have played since Jimbo Fisher's been here. Um, this A&M team entered the season with a lot of expectations. You know, um, people close to the program felt like even 10-2 and two would be, anything worse than 10-2 and two would be a disaster. And, you know, we're, they're already sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Um it's it's been a weird year and it's been a we a year where there's a lot of questions. I mean, even going into this game, there's a lot of questions on health. There's a lot of questions on who's going to play. There's a lot of questions on personnel. Um, you know, the offense has just been the same old Jimbo Fisher offense we've seen over the years. Um, and it's it's really struggled at times. Quarterback play hasn't necessarily been consistent, hasn't injuries haven't helped that at all. Um, they have the weapons for maybe the first time since Jimbo Fisher's been here at running back and wide receiver to really get an offense going. And it's been hit or miss depending on the week. Um, defensively, um, they're, they're, it's a very stout secondary. Um, just uh, I, I, I like to watch a lot of college football, see a lot of college football. I think A&M has one of the better secondaries overall in the country. Um, they have a very young defensive line. Obviously, everyone remembers that 2022 signing class they had that had eight defensive linemen in it, um, including some of the top, I think, what, five of the top six or four of the top six defensive linemen in the country. Um, so it's a very young defensive line. Um, they kind of came into their own a little bit against Bama. Um, they, there's, there's been some scheme stuff there. I think linebacker is the most, um, the biggest weakness on defense, even though they do have, you know, a future pro in Edgerton Cooper. I think he's someone that is going to generate some draft buzz here in uh, – in April or so, but um, no, it's an, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting team. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting year. And uh, yeah, I think this game's probably going to be closer than, than most people expect. Tim, I, w- I want to go to exactly what you said at the beginning there. You mentioned how there are a lot of questions from an injury standpoint and a personnel standpoint. Now I watched Jimbo Fisher's Monday press conference. He did address Haynes King. Um, he didn't really address a lot of the injuries. I know there have been a lot of rumors about either quarterback, offensive line, other spots. Can As best as you possibly can, can you give us a rundown of which guys you know, are up in the air for this game or just how the team could be affected from an injury or personnel standpoint on Saturday? Yeah, um, I, I guess it would have to be best because it, it is um... – you know, A&M is one of those programs that doesn't really give you the uh, the injury updates every week. They like to keep that uh, pretty private. Um, I guess we'll start at quarterback. Um, Haynes did get banged up late in that out in that uh, loss to Bama. Uh, had the bye week to recover. It's still not certain if he's going to play or not. If he doesn't, it's going to be Connor Wigman. Um, almost regardless, it kind of feels like things are trending towards Wigman playing. He's the freshman five star uh, from Cypress Bridgeland when he signed. 
our national signing day, Jimbo Fisher hailed him as the future of the program. Um, and, you know, he's a very talented quarterback and, and he has the type of talent and composure that, you know, can get the most out of this offense. It's just kind of, you know, Jimbo's very strict about, you know, making sure you learn the offense, making sure you do this thing before he can play. Um, so we'll see. I think there's a decent chance we see Wigman in this game, regardless of, of Haynes's health. But if Haynes is healthy, Haynes is going to be the starter. Um, so that's obviously quarterback. Running back, it's going to be a chain. I don't think there's any questions there. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is where the biggest injury concerns are right now. Um, the entire left side of the line was completely messed around for, for the Alabama game. Um, they had uh, Trey Zoon, who's their starting left tackle. He was out. Uh, so they moved Aki Ogunbi, uh, who plays guard for them, out. And then they just moved and they rotated um, between, uh, you know, a couple guys at that left guard spot. Um, there's no update on Zoon. It sounds like there's a chance he doesn't play. Um, center Bryce Foster's had an up and down year. Missed some time early in the year with Mono um, and then had a had a really rough performance against Arkansas and Mississippi State. Um, kind of bounced back a bit against Bama, but there are some injury concerns. He went down late as well. Um, and, you know, there's there's a decent amount of rumors flying around that he might be uh, out for 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 some time. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of holes across the offensive line. Uh, this is this is a unit that's not exactly been very good this year already. Um, and and it's it's sounding like we're looking at a, a line that's going to be very young, um, and a line that you know someone like Zach Pickens or Jordan Birch can 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 take full advantage of and uh, you know cause some problems for this offense. Tim, I know this is a loaded question because we get asked it all the time here. You know what what's wrong with South Carolina's offense? Where do the problems stem from? Um, and maybe at A and M, a lot of it does have to do with that offensive line. Obviously, if you don't have O line play, it makes it difficult on everybody else, but. Um, it just in your opinion, what has been the biggest issue? Is is it just maybe Jimbo, uh, you know, kind of running the same old offense? It seems like from the outside looking in that we've seen for so long. Um, is it O line play? Is it QB play? What uh, I mean, is it all the above? What do you think, man? Uh, a bit of all of the above. I touched on it on Aggie Scoop the last couple of weeks, kind of just addressing the offensive concerns and why. Like I, I've had this conversation with people. Um, you know, people in the league, people, um, people I know in the league, you know, other people that watch his offense. And, and to me, I, I think the number one issue, you can point to individual play, you can point to individual units and be like, hey, that's an issue this game, that's an issue this game. At the end of the day, the biggest issue here is the scheme. You see teams with less talent have more offensive success with mm -hmm. worse play at these, at these offensive line, at these other things. It's just the way Jimbo Fisher's scheme is, is played. He hypes us up and, and talks about it as a very complicated scheme and why young guys don't really get a whole lot of opportunity to play. It's not necessarily complicated. I mean, if you look at it from the outside looking in, it's a pretty simple scheme. It's just it's it requires all 11 players playing absolutely perfect football every single snap for it to work at its best. And you're just not going to get that. It's just unreasonable to expect. Um, especially with as many young guys are playing and just in general, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's the SEC. You, you're not going to get 11 guys executing consistently against, you know, some of the best players in the country every single week. Um, I think the scheme is the biggest issue. You know, there's a good amount of buzz that I think a change is finally going to be made on offense this year or, or this off season. And in my opinion, I don't think it's, it's even that big of a change. Like, you know, you're seeing the way the, the game is trending in the pros, even the way like South Carolina, Kentucky, some of these teams run offenses. No one's looking for the spread system, just throw it all over the yard system. They just want like just make it harder on defenses like like A&M. You can count on your fingers the amount of times they've used motion this year, um, the amount of times, you know, um, 
they've had polar they, they like you know it's it's a lot of simple their their run schemes are very simple you know it's the it's the, some of the some of uh some of Devon and Chain's biggest runs have come on the exact same like you know uh guard halfback counter it's this it's the same thing and I think when you look and, and you kind of look at at this team it's just you, you just got to get an analyst in there you just got to get someone from you know whether it's a McVay tree um whether it's a true offensive coordinator, you just got to get someone in there to kind of just spice things up, get another voice in the room. Um, and honestly, even for Jimbo himself, I think at this point of his career, it's probably better if he could just be a head coach instead of, you know, having to call the plays and then also having to deal with developing the quarterbacks or developing the wide receivers and, and, and yelling at the defense or whatever. You know, he's every single play you watch him on the sideline, he's the busiest man, you know, on in, in that stadium every single week because he's got like a massive sheet of papers. He's he's ruffling through, and then you know, in between plays, he, he's going and yelling at guys or, or, or talking talking to guys, no matter what side of the ball they're on. And he's just, yeah, he's just at this point in his career, just hand just, just hand it off to somebody else, like just for for everyone's sake, honestly. Yeah, I, I totally agree with him. the 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 sh- the play sheets for Jimbo. It stresses me out every time I watch it <laughs> because he. You know, a lot of guys have like the Waffle House menu or you have like a booklet or something, but his is like literally a stack of papers. They're all like stacked up. If I had those, they'd be so crumpled. I don't know. It stresses me out every time. But anyway, let me go to defense with you, Tim. Um, Points we think will probably be more of a premium at, at a premium in this game. Something Jimbo touched on Monday and something we saw, you know, kind of diving into A&M's games and the statistics little bit feast or famine on defense. Some of the statistics kind of are like a paradox. You know, they've done some really good things. They've done some not so good things. But what what has caused this defense the most problems? Is it the run game? Have they given up explosives? Kind of break that down for us. Um, they've, they've surprisingly, I, I don't know if it's surprisingly, they've been pretty good about limiting explosives. Really, it's the run game. Um, it, you know, you saw through the first couple of weeks of the season, the first – pretty much before the Arkansas game, the defense was primarily running out of this four, two, five front um, that they ran last year and that everyone had talked about, but there was, you know, in certain situations, uh, Durkin was bringing in, you know, he ran it at Ole Miss last year, basically this three, three uh, or three, two, six front, um, where you got two linebackers, six DBs and three up front linemen. Um, and, you know, the three two six has not worked that well. I understand the process and I've I've reiterated it to AM fans on our board and, and just on Twitter and stuff. I understand the process behind Durkin deciding to use that, especially, you know, he used it against Arkansas pretty much the entire game and uh, Mississippi State the entire game and AM just got, you know, drilled on the ground. Um but I understand the process. You want to you want to keep those offenses from getting deep on you. Um, but I think against South Carolina, I think moving forward, you're going to see more of that four-two-five front. They used it against Bama, had their best day rushing the passer, created some turnovers against you know a backup quarterback for sure. But you know, still like you know a four-star quarterback uh, who's playing in a very talented offense. Um, they they created some turnovers. We were able to create some pressure, cause problems for the offense. Um, but no, I mean, as far as this team and, and, and their biggest struggles, it's going to be the run game, no matter the front. Um, like I said, their best units is secondary and this run game would be so much worse if, uh, Damani Richardson, Antonio Johnson, uh, and Jordan Gilbert weren't back there. You know, those guys are really good run defenders, but it literally takes like, you know, you see it every game. There's a, there's a, there's a runner that breaks loose and gets through to the ter- third level. And it's one of those three guys bringing them down. Like they've got very good run defenders in the secondary. Um, but the front is still, like I said, young. 
Um, the linebackers aren't, you know, it's Edgerin Cooper and, you know, a rotating cast of bodies next to him. Um, so they haven't been able to fit the run all that well. Um, so, you know, this could be a big game um, for South Carolina on the ground. I think tight ends and other things that have caused A&M some problems this year. Um, you know, this could be a big, potentially even a breakout game for a guy like Jaheim Bell. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how, how things play out. I think A&M shouldn't really have an issue with South Carolina through the air, um, just given the way Spencer Rattler's played this year. Um, and also just how stout the secondary is. Um, you know, they've, they've got some injuries back there too, but they're pretty deep and pretty talented. So, you know, injuries aren't as big of a concern in the secondary as they are, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. It, it is a, kind of a weird stat. We were looking today, uh, A&M is like, I think, second to last in the conference in uh, rushing yards allowed per game. But then you look, they've only given up three rushing touchdowns this year. So um, is that just like a statistical anomaly or have they just been have they been good in general at keeping teams out of the end zones that are like giving up yards in between the 20s or um is there anything you can maybe uh maybe account for that yeah it's 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 sort of a bit of an anomaly but also um they've been one of those true bend and break defenses this year like they play a completely different brand of football once a team like crosses their 30 yard line um, you know, they, they let, they let teams, you know, make it all the way you saw, it, um, remembering off the top of my head, I believe this is the Arkansas game and even the Bama game, you know, you saw teams like pretty much make it to the 50 opposing 40 and just kind of stall out there. They, they, something clicks mid drive, something clicks, you know, once they get into the red zone, um, and, and they're able to lock things. Obviously that shorter field helps, especially when you have those DBs flying around back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been part of it for sure, but no, they've been very good in, in preventing points. And again, with as bad as this offense is, or as, you know, has as many struggles as this offense has had at times, um, you know, it's the defense has very much kept them in games and even won them some games at times. Tim, last one I got for you, man. Uh, something that these offenses, South Carolina and A&M have both struggled with is turnovers, turnover margin. I think that's probably going to be a key part of this game. A, do you agree? B, what have you seen from A&M when they have struggled? I know they won the turnover margin against Bama. It's a big reason they were in that game, but lost it against App State, lost it against Mississippi State. What have you seen there, and how can they improve that? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The So, man, it's, 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 it's really like – so Haynes King, if you watch him through like all of it, he's not played a whole lot of football. He's in year three now. But he hasn't played a whole lot of football because of injuries and different things. And but but like even against Mississippi State, both his interceptions weren't necessarily on him. It was late in the game. It was subbed in late. One bounced off the hand of Evan Stewart right into a defender for a pick six. Uh, the other one was like right there. Um, you know, it was a, it was a perfectly fine ball. Um, just kind of went through the receiver's hands and into the DB's hands. Um, so it's going to be if it's Haynes, it's just like you know he's a guy that takes risks. I think. Um, Fisher kind of realized that, you know, and, and you saw that against Bama, you know, when, 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 when King was originally benched for, for Johnson, A&M's often started to move the ball a little more consistently, but they weren't creating explosive plays and they weren't really, you know, getting downfield. Um, and that's because, you know, Max is more of a conservative quarterback. And you look at Haynes, Haynes takes shots. You saw it against the Bama game. There's some throws in there that, you know, you're like, no, 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 no. And then, you know, the receiver on the other end makes the play. Um, you saw multiple times with Evan, Chris Marshall, all those guys in that game. Um, so this game is going to be a lot of like, hey, can and obviously, you know, I think South Carolina, I like some of the DBs on South Carolina's team. I like that unit overall. Um, can he keep the ball clean and can he take risks 
without like really harming the team. You know what I mean? Like, is, is, is there, there has to be that balance there. Uh, that's going to be the big thing. You know, Devonna Chains had a fumble this year, but that's, you know, it's one of those, like, he, it's not something that's normal for him. Um, I'm not expecting him to have like a fumble issue the rest of the year. I, I you know, I, um, but outside of that, it's really going to come down to quarterback play as far as turnovers go. Yeah, Tim, that's the final thing I got as well. Um, what's your feel on the flow of this game? Like, I always try to get a feel, not even necessarily who's going to win, but just how this thing's going to kind of play out. Obviously, you can't predict, you know, big weird plays like a pick six or, you know, somebody turns it over three or four times. But it feels kind of like South Carolina-Kentucky game a couple of weeks ago. You knew going in it was probably going to be fairly low scoring. It seems like both teams are probably going to have some success running the football. Um, maybe comes down to, to who scores in the red zone, who doesn't turn the football over. Um, that's just my opinion, though. What's your feel on how this thing could play out as far as, like, how many points it's going to take to to walk away as a winner? Uh, I think I think you're right on all of that. It's going to come down to, you know, who can keep the – you know, who, who can win the kind of the turnover battle, battle and who can score in the red zone. Um, those two things, it's going to be a low scoring affair. Um, you know, I, I saw a couple of projections that have it close to, you know, somewhere like 24, 21, 28, you know, something like that. Like I just expect something like that. I don't think either team, like either of these teams are going to score over 30 points. Uh, I am interested to see, you know, A&M's kind of struggled to start the game off fast. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, with the bye week, do they have some type of script or something to get that quarterback, whoever it is, if it's Haynes, if it's Connor, get them in there, get comfortable, put some points on the board on that first drive and, and kind of see where things go. Um, so that's what I'll be watching is just, you know, can A&M start the game off fast? Um, and then Devon Chain, you know, he was, he was, he's, he's had a pretty good year, uh, but he was limited against Bama. Um, A&M didn't really like, would have loved to have him, you know, be used against Bama and, and, and kind of let him, let him do some stuff against Bama, but it, the holes weren't there. They were getting stuff through the air. So, you know, they kind of took what they got. Um, so this, this could be a bit of a bounce back game for a chain. Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I, it's my personal opinion. I don't think there's a faster running back in the country. Um, and so, you know, that he's one of those guys that's kind of an angles eliminator and, you know, with, with such little film on him from the last two weeks, obviously because of by the Bama, um, the Bama game, I'm interested to see how much they use him early on in this game. Yeah, that's a good point, man. And, uh, Dude is definitely fast, and Carolina's linebackers aren't uh, the fastest linebackers in the SEC. So that may be uh, kind of a game within the game thing to keep an eye on. And uh, appreciate you being bringing up that point about uh, A&M not necessarily starting fast either. That's been a huge topic of discussion all year long at South Carolina as well, is that they have not started games fast up until the Kentucky game where they really were able to create some momentum early and, and get going, and that was a huge part in them winning that game. So lots of – Lots of very similar questions for both teams going into this game, it feels like. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, for anybody out there who wants to read more about Texas A&M, going over to Aggie Scoop, that is the Texas A&M on three site. Tim, great insight, great info. We appreciate you, man, and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday, okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you all. Thank you for having me. Yep, anytime. That's Tim. Uh, everybody uh, go check them out, Aggie Scoop, uh, again, on three site. And uh, some some really good insight there, Chris. We always um, we always like to, I guess, say what we learned um, after our guests roll on. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was interesting info for me in that I knew that these teams had some similarities, but the more Tim so, sort of shared with us, the more I was like, okay, 
I know these teams aren't identical, but um, there have been a lot of the same concerns on both sides, right down to the fact that it feels like we're going to have to work really hard to come up with some fresh keys to victory because it's sort of playing out like what the keys to victory are for South Carolina every single week. And in this case, it's because both teams have had some similar successes and similar struggles as far as how they kind of are built this year and -hmm. how they've won games this year. And, you know, some of the areas that one team does maybe have an advantage in, the other also has, you know, they're very strong in those areas too. Like there's the deficiencies and the strengths. I know Will Helms, who does a great job with statistical analysis for us, uh, he pointed out on social media that South Carolina, which this is almost hard to believe given the talk early in the season, South Carolina's receivers have been excellent run blocking as of late. Um, Texas A&M's defenders, their secondary, is excellent at stopping the run, which Tim pointed out in the stats back that up. And I mentioned Wes Antonio Johnson, their nickel, He's one of the best. I don't know if a lot of people have necessarily heard of him, but he's one of the best players, not only in the conference, but the country. He's really, really good. Uh, really good stop in the run as well. I thought what he mentioned about red zone defense was also quite interesting. You brought up that point. AM, they've given up a lot of yardage on the ground, but three rushing touchdowns. So why is that? Dug up a little bit more west. Texas AM, number two in the country in red zone defense. So now you start thinking, okay, South Carolina, you probably need to create some explosives. But you're right about the parallels with these teams. You know, offensively, they've shot both shot themselves in the foot too often with turnovers, losing turnover margin. They both have been, you know, they have talented quarterbacks but have had some inconsistencies. They both have a really dynamic running back. Um, so a lot of carryover between these two teams. I, uh, I, I feel like – not every week, most weeks maybe, more often than not at least, we do sort of go into each game. And as the week goes on, Chris, I feel like we gather more and more information. We learn new things. And then we at least think we have an idea of how the game is going to potentially play out. Um, when this week started, my sort of gap of, of what I think this game's going to be was a pretty wide gap. Um, you know, I, I felt, I felt going into the Kentucky game, like not even necessarily who was going to win it, but just how it was going to play out that I had a pretty good grasp, uh, that we all kind of had a pretty good grasp on that one. This one, I went into the week saying currently Carolina fans are riding the high of beating Kentucky a little too much for me to feel too confident at all in predicting a win over A&M because of what A&M has done to South Carolina the last few years. Not that South Carolina could not win the game. That's not what I'm saying. Just mm-hmm. kind of the whole, if you played 10 times, who you know who would win seven times? Maybe yep. A&M. But as, it is going, as the week has gone on, the margin, as far as Vegas says, has shrunk a little bit. The margin in my head has shrunk a little bit as well in that I, I really feel like both sides are going to be able to run the football. Both sides may give up some negative plays because we've seen Carolina do it on offense and they have holes in their, uh, you know, in their O-line. Um, and really, 
it, it just doesn't feel like there's going to be a whole bunch of points, but it also simultaneously feels like A-Chain and Marshawn Lloyd could both have really big games and the opportunities. And it feels like you're going to see their DBs and Nick Emanwari potentially tasked with making a lot of tackles to keep these backs from having 40-yard gains and keeping those at like 12-yard gains, basically. Yeah, and, and that's the issue with A-Chain. You know, you, you compare it to like Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky last week. South Carolina owned the line of scrimmage against Kentucky on their South Carolina's defensive line versus Kentucky's offensive line. We we saw a lot of penetration, but Chris Rodriguez, because of his running style, was still often able to fall forward or drag some people for seven to nine yards or whatever it may be. He He's able to avoid a lot of negative plays because of his style. So, and I wrote this earlier today, it sounds kind of silly, but I believe it. I could see, you know, South Carolina having even more success against A-Chain because he's not a bigger back like that. If you get him bottled up in the backfield, you have a better chance of actually bringing him down than a Chris Rodriguez. Or he gets loose, and now it's 75 yards instead of 30. So there's a little bit of a trade-off, and that's going to be a key question. I mean, watching back A&M against Alabama, it was pretty clear that Jimbo Fisher's game plan was, let's try to get A-Chain on the outside, use some outside runs. Bama bottled it up for the most part. That's kind of been the story this year for A-Chain. South Carolina will have to do the same or he can make you pay. And it's going to be that way on the other side of the ball with Marshawn Lloyd against this A&M defense. Yeah, the other thing uh, in the category of what did I learn, I was under the impression that um, these linebackers were still kind of a strength this year, this defense. But um, it sounds like, at least uh, from what Tim said, as somebody who watches them every single week, that um, that's – Really not the case. It's much more in the secondary. And, and it seems like they, uh, from what he said, they get a bunch of their defensive backs on the field because they have they have big guys that can run. So it's not necessarily, you know, when they say, when he says a, a three two six, 2 um, most of the time you're thinking, well, that, you know, that's definitely a formation, a personnel package that you can run the football on. And that's been the case to an extent. But in the case of their guys, like you talked about, their nickelback is a, absolute stud so um you're just kind of in some ways getting your best guys on the field it sounds like and these are these are people that can tackle it's not just putting a bunch of five ten corners out there and uh, asking them to go tackle sec backs but um the the marshawn lloyd versus a chain battle i i don't normally i don't really normally like to put like this guy versus this guy as like a key because they're not actually playing against each other. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Lloyd's playing the A&M defense. A-Chain's playing the South Carolina defense. They have no direct effect on each other at all. But whoever comes out on top in this game, whoever we look back on and say, oh, that guy took over this contest, that team is going to have a great chance to win the game. Although I, I think I just I think I just figured out what my prediction is going to be for my predictions that I have not sent into you yet. Not my score prediction. Okay. Okay. Each week, everybody on Gamecock Central does a prediction on something that will happen in the game. Do you know what yours is going to be yet, Chris? Nope. Not a clue. Still thinking through that. I think I just figured mine out. Have you finalized? Don't, you don't have to say it. Of course, we'll save that for tomorrow, 
but have you finalized your game prediction? I have not. I have. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I'll be. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I already sort of said it earlier in the week. I was leaning heavy to A and M, and reason why is exactly what I said earlier. Now, I will say this: Carolina was has been absolutely dominated by A and M because of the lines of scrimmage. Now, this is not the same. It's a talented A and M defensive line. It's not the same group. So. Right. I think I have sort of eased up off that a little bit, but uh, that that's always been my feel is when Carolina has played your your Georgias of the world, your Alabamas of the world, um, your A and M team the last couple of years. These truly elite defensive lines, they have no chance because those guys are just so big and quick that they they create too many negative plays basically, and. Um, I just don't know if this iteration of of A and M falls in that category, like the last two. And I do think Carolina has improved on the offensive line. Like for for all people talk about the O line with this group, I do think those guys are playing a good bit better um, so far this year than they have uh, certainly last year. Did did South Carolina run the ball? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot, or we can just talk through this. Did they run the ball? against a quality, like, as in not average, like a good defense last season. You know, they did against Florida. Florida at that time was a mess. Auburn, not an elite defense, right? And and I don't I, – I think that game felt like they ran the ball well. They, Statistically, no. No. looking back, I think they just were hard-headed in yeah. the run. Like, they just stuck with it, and it – they popped a few, if I'm remembering it correctly, but it it wasn't a dominant rushing performance. Even saying Auburn isn't a great defense. Yeah, I mean one of the play one of their touchdowns was a pass to Zaquandre White. One was to Josh Van, really good ball from Jason Brown to Josh Van. So I, I don't. The point is, I don't really think so. Now, South Carolina, they've had their their best when you factor in what the statistics were, what the eyeball test was, and who the opponent was, like Kentucky would have been their best performance, right? Point is, even in the more limited spots against Arkansas, or even get myself in trouble for bringing this up, very limited spots against Georgia, you could see some things, and certainly against the lesser opponents, Charlotte and SC State, the run game has clicked more. So what I'm trying to get across is I think they're in better position to be able to run the football than they have been. Even the last, I mean, you, you made a great point earlier in the week, the 2020 team, 1,000-yard rusher, but that was feast or famine. You're breaking off big runs or you're getting stonewalled, and you're typically not doing it against really good defenses. You're doing it against an Ole Miss defense that was just awful. I mean, I couldn't come up with a creative word. They were bad. Um, Vandy, teams like that, right? This this offense looks like it has a better shot to run the ball, and that will be critical. You know, the, the best formula for South Carolina, regardless of opponent, we've seen it the past few weeks. It's been run the ball, let Spencer Rattler make some plays when he needs to, but don't don't mortgage your entire offense on let's go out and chuck and chuck the ball around. And brought this stat out earlier, Wes. In the first half. Because what was South Carolina down thirty-one or thirty-four nothing at the half last year? 
uh, started the game as bad as you, as poorly as you could. Longest run in the first half last year, eight yards by Zeb Nolan on a scramble. A um, lot of one yard, no yard, a couple fours, you know, scattered in there. Just no room to run. And so that's going to be a huge storyline on Saturday. Against SEC competition last year, Chris, South Carolina had one game where they had a 100-yard rusher. Okay. That settles it. What game was that? Florida. Florida, yeah, yeah. You know, I think – Yeah. Give them them credit on the Florida game. Yeah, yeah, you still give them credit, yeah. They they did, you know, for whatever the other reasons are, they did run the ball well against Mm -hmm. Florida, and they stuck to the run. The other games that they had a 100-yard rusher, the bowl game, of course, when they just smashed North Carolina – and then um, Eastern Illinois, of course. But otherwise, against SEC teams, I mean, even going to Missouri, and, I, you know, I think Missouri had actually a, an underrated defense, but uh, they their leading rusher was Z White with 99, so did not get over the threshold. Um, wait, no, that's a lie. Z White was 60. I was misreading it. Z White had 99 against Auburn. Um, Vandy leading rusher, Z White was 65. Tennessee, Kevin Harris was 61. Leading rusher against Troy. This should have been our trivia question earlier today when we were looking mm. for a trivia question. Who was South Carolina's leading rusher against Troy last year? If anybody can get it without looking, then you Josh are Van. Who'd you say? Josh Van. Yep. Yep. Because he had like a reverse or something, right? He had two big – I think he had two big reverses Yeah, in that game. Um, 52 yards rushing. So, yeah, and we, we say all that to point out, yes, I think there have been some very real improvements in what we've seen from South Carolina's O-line, particularly in the running game. And here's the thing. If you look at – let's see. Happy, happy, happy said the A&M defense – is better than Kentucky's. They would bring some heat on the Gamecocks. Oh, I are they better than Kentucky's defense? They're they're certainly Kentucky is certainly better at stopping the run than AM's defense. Now, again, if you if you look at it just from a statistical standpoint, AM's defense has kept them in games. Like this has not been yeah. a bad unit at all. They are just a weird unit. Like it's just it's weird to see a team that is second to last in the conference and run defense, and then it'd be a good defense. Like that's just that's not that's not the way it's supposed to happen, you know. It is, you know, if you want to do the common opponent thing, like, every, you know, that's you get into dangerous territory. But I mean, Mississippi State scored seventeen against Kentucky, forty-two against A and M, and you know. Turnovers play into those games, et cetera. But Kentucky's got a, a pretty a pretty salty defense. Um, I think AM, like if you look at the talent, do they have more talent than Kentucky? Yeah. AM probably has more defensive talent than most teams in the league. Like I, I bet Wes, I'm not gonna take the time to do this. I bet if you stacked up AM's like star ranking metrics against Bama. They would be close or maybe even ahead in, in a lot of categories. Um, 
you could probably do that with them at a bunch of teams. I mean, they have some some guys. They, they have some guys to where in a couple years up front, they could be a wrecking crew. I mean, they have a bunch of freshmen and sophomores up front. They're just you can just tell. I mean, they're they're still young. And that's probably it's not a talent issue. The primary reason is just sometimes they're not always in position. Athletically, they're very impressive. So they got some dudes, is what you're telling me. They got some dudes for sure. Yeah, and well, you know, I, I think that just goes to show you, like you said, man, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you got a bunch of freshmen who are just trying to get settled in, especially near the football, like that whole thing of like the closer you are to the football, the harder it is to play early. You can mix in a guy or two, and if you have a couple of other veterans around them, I think you can get away with it. But when you just when you've got young guys everywhere, I, I think that's very um, difficult to to get by because you just you're in this league, man. You get you're playing guys that are just as big as you are. You're used to playing in high school when everybody's sixty pounds smaller and definitely not near as strong as you. So. It matters. Um, Mark is in the chat. Mark, you you're you're getting off your script, man. You haven't you haven't yelled yet today. I need you to yell about. Um, he needs to yell about Satterfield and yell about uh, playing Trey Kenyon. I think are his his two go tos. Um, what else you got, Chris? Um, any anything else to recap from Tim or or something that was interesting to you? He he really. If y'all are joining us late. Yeah, run it back. Listen to Tim from uh, Aggie Scoop. He actually had he packed a lot of information per sentence into those he did. twenty minutes or so that we had. Yeah, I mean, just a couple other things, real briefly. You know, Haynes King probably going to play. I mean, that's what Fisher says. But I thought it was interesting. He said that th- things looked kind of trending in the re- in the direction of Connor Wiegman playing. Now, will that be if Haynes King struggles? Is that regardless? We don't know. But Jimbo did leave that door open. Uh, maybe that's just kind of how he talks in his press conferences. But he did say that. Tim kind of reiterated it. And also, we don't really know what the situation is on the offensive line. They're banged up uh, going into the Bama game. He mentioned their center, Bryce Foster, who had already missed some time this year. Um, I saw the injury that Tim was referencing in the Bama game. He went down late with what looked like a knee injury. And so those can always be pretty Pretty serious. So, um, looks like A and M probably going to be at least somewhat shorthanded on the offensive line, which which can make for an interesting day. South Carolina's D line, of course, coming out of coming off of their best uh, performance of the year against Kentucky. Yeah, I think. Um, I wonder if Tonka gets to start this week. I feel like he had, yeah, certainly one of his better games of of his career. Um, I was laughing while you were talking. Mark is yelling again, so he's back yes. back on brand. Uh, shout out, Mark. Uh, also, shout out to our good friends at Liberty Tax, another great sponsor of GC Live, 803-462-5576. Uh, if you're frustrated by keeping keeping up with your own bank statements or your QuickBook, they have a QuickBooks Pro Advisor on staff. Uh, they can handle your bookkeeping and your payroll services. You can just do what you do best. That's making money, making your business successful. You can let Liberty Tax handle the rest. they got a bunch of locations right here in the Columbia area. 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo, and then 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia. Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Larry for being a sponsor and a supporter for quite some time now of a GC Live. Appreciate you, Larry, and appreciate 
Liberty Tax. Um, we got one more day of shows. Again, reminder, tomorrow, 5 o'clock, still hands. We'll be going live from there. Come on out. If you, if you live in the area or you're already going to be in town for the game, come on by still hands. It is um, sort of just an opportunity to go ahead and have a little pre-party. We'll be out there. They're having an oyster roast. They're going to have live music. They're going to have a giveaway, which uh, we'll tell you about tomorrow as well. It's going to be like a package of gifts and things. So uh, come on out. That's in Casey, South Carolina, if uh, you're not familiar with it. But hopefully you are because hopefully y'all came to the kickoff parties <laughs> the last two years. Anyway, uh, Chris, anything else, man? That's it, man. Looking forward to tomorrow. Lots more content to do. Another show to do. So stay tuned. We'll have all, all of that for the f- people He's Chris. I'm Wes. We appreciate y'all. Everybody who listens, watches, y'all are awesome. Everybody in the chat, appreciate y'all keeping it going. Um, even the user R, who I believe yesterday um, spammed us with every positive A&M thing in the book. Now he has turned face and spammed us with a bunch of South Carolina stuff. So I was R, wondering that. come on back tomorrow. Tell us about I don't know, Florida State, somebody else. We appreciate all the comments, positive or negative. Um, Y'all coming out, still hands. Hang out. We'll be there at 5 o'clock. Have a drink. Have some oysters. It'll be fun. Until then, y'all have a good one. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.